0: Hello and welcome to Questonia, where we answer the questions that we think need answering in Estonian news and culture. I'm Stuart Garlick, and as ever, uh, here's Marys Hellrand. Um Marys, we've got an awful lot to get through this week, and uh, it's quite exciting. We're talking contact tracing. What, uh, what other stories have you, been, have you been working on this week?
1: As a follow-up of our last episode, when we talked to Holger Ronema uh, about the... Uh, uh, allegations of uh, uh, the conflict of interest or the possible con- conflict of interest of the US lawyer Louis Free, who has been contracted by the Minister of Finance uh, Martin Helme, in to assist Estonia in a money laundering issue. Uh, there have been some developments in this case, and I think this is, this is highly interesting first of all martin helmer has uh, for uh, for uh, for two weeks now avoided giving um, clear answers and for when he finally appeared in front of the, uh, the finance committee of parliament his answers were still only ridiculing the the very justified questions of the mp's and uh, basically he's wiggling around um, giving uh, correct comments. Among other things, he also uh, dismissed uh, the actual recommendation done by the embassy of Estonia in Washington because uh, apparently the embassy background um, search uh, uh, in into these uh, different uh, law firms um, uh, came up with um, a suggestion um uh, not to uh, not to contract Louis free. So this one was dismissed by Martin Helmer as an incorrect background search, which is a very interesting term. And um, strangely enough, um, the Prime Minister Yuri Ratas, has just commented on the whole issue that it's only Louis Free himself who can tell whether he has a conflict of interest or not, which is um,
0: a very interesting. Uh, legal position, I would say. It's it's only the bank robber who can really say if they rob the bank or not.
2: Yes.
1: So, um, and this is uh, this is now someone who has uh, represented, according to court documents, who has represented a big uh, Russian company involved directly in this money laundering case that went uh, via the Danske Bank Estonia, uh, and. Uh, if he claims he has no conflict of interests, so the Estonian government takes uh, takes this claim as a, at the, its face value. It's uh, it puts Estonia in a very regrettable position in many ways, both in terms of its international image of a transparent uh, country, but also really in uh, dealings of the. Uh, Uh, law enforcement and um, investigative uh, offices in their cooperation with partners that they need to um, uh, follow in order to uncover all these cases.
0: Yeah, I I I think... I, th- I think it's worth just answering one more thing as well because uh that there is the tendency particularly uh in 2020 to both sides everything to say well um um a lot of scandals happened without people really knowing uh and some you know without the correct information being given to the public during during the reform party governments uh, of, uh, um, of of previous years so uh what's the difference between this and the kinds of scandals with public money for example that we saw in previous years.
1: Well, I think in, in this case, uh, it's uh, it, what is what makes it so uh, stunning is is just the, the way how um, how MPs and the public interest are being dismissed and ignored just completely. So this is uh, this this feels very uh, novel
0: something else novel the coronavirus yes we're we're back on it because uh excitingly estonia is uh, launching a contact tracing app now um they've chosen as a provisional launch date uh august the 20th which is a national holiday and i think during our discussion before the podcast uh you felt it may be somehow in bad taste to launch a um, a virus contact tracing app on a national holiday maris
1: well it's uh, for me, it had a sort of a taste of uh, Soviet propaganda <laughs> a little bit when, when it was um, when I, when the slogans were put out. Uh, oh, we'll achieve the 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 plans of the of the five years uh, um, ahead of time on the first of May or something like that. But um, perhaps it's uh, it's just some practical reasons. Anyway, um, I think uh, one 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 issue to explore here is uh, why uh, Estonia, who has been uh, sort of the digital wonderland and uh, being the fastest uh, in in digital development of the public sector for uh, for sure, um, is not one of the first first European countries to introduce a contact tracing app, where, while. Our southern neighbour Latvia already has the app up and running since end of May. So uh, I'm very excited to talk about uh, about the app, the, the development and the launch to greet offer from the Ministry of
0: uh, Social Affairs. The new contact tracing app, uh, what's it called and where can people find it?
1: The, the contact tracing app will be available from the 20th of August. Um, it can be downloaded from Apple Store and uh, Google Play. And it's called Hoya in Estonian. So it's H O I A. It's like um, Estonian for um, take care.
0: Yeah and uh, Preet is a qualified physician he um, a qualified doctor he he's he's also uh one of the leads on the development of the contact tracing app and uh, then after him we'll be speaking to uh, Sophie Worry uh who is um a uh, um she was on the winning team of uh the uh, Salto hackathon uh which uh, was called hack the virus she wrote a medium article some time ago uh saying that um she wanted to assist in the contact tracing efforts of estonia but uh, was not taken up on that so we'll be talking to her about um, her solution she developed with her team i think we've got a lot to learn about contact tracing so we'll get on to our interview with priest toffa now
1: you have a proper intro of, of you, Preet. Maybe you could just introduce yourself. What's your what's your exact position in the in the ministry?
3: Okay. Um. So, hi, I'm Preet Tofer. I am the advisor for e-services innovation and development at the Ministry of Social Affairs of Estonia, and I am one of the people responsible for the development of a contact tracing application for Estonia.
1: Okay, and uh, we are, um, as far as I understand, uh, within a week of launching the contact tracing app. Is that correct? Roughly one week, yes. So what is is the app all about? What what is it going to um, give us?
3: Right. Well, uh, one important mechanism for curbing uh, the spread of the virus, or really any virus, is uh, contact tracing. And how contact tracing works is that um, once you have received the diagnosis for COVID-19, you get a phone call. And in Estonia, you get that phone call the next day uh, to ask you about who else have you seen um, within roughly the past two or three days uh, since your symptoms started. And, and what are their contact details? Because the idea is that uh, the contact tracers want to reach as many of the people as the infected person contacted as possible. Um, and, and this works relatively well. Uh, and, and I believe that we're getting better and better at it as this um, epidemic progresses, but it does have its blind spots um, because not everyone that you meet uh, during your infectious period is someone you know uh, or are even able to identify or remember. Uh, the person that you sat next to in the bus or train or in the theater is not someone you necessarily know and are able to identify to the contact tracers. So the idea of the app is that it is an additional way to notify people of having had a close contact with someone who was later diagnosed with COVID-19. And and, and how it works is that um, people that are using the application their phones exchange anonymous codes with each other when they are near each other. And as soon as one of them uh, gets diagnosed as uh, being infected with COVID-19, then they mark themselves as infected in the application. And everyone who has seen their anonymous code will then get a notification saying, Hey, you've seen someone, you've been in close contact with someone who was later diagnosed as positive, um, You should stay home for a certain amount of time. If you have any questions, then here are some resources, that kind of thing. So it automates the process of uh, contact tracing, but it doesn't replace it. It's just one addition to uh, cover some of those blind spots that we have.
0: If we take an issue like uh, the so-called Vabank outbreak, where I think 37 cases so far have come from one particular night in a nightclub in Tartu, um, um, can you maybe just walk us through how uh, a contact tracing app might have, uh, if not prevented that from happening, then certainly prevented the aftermath?
3: Yeah, so um, it it wouldn't have prevented uh, what happened in the bank necessarily, but it could have definitely uh, helped ameliorate some of the uh, aftermath of it. Because assuming that uh, a decent amount of the people that went to that nightclub on that night were using the application, um, then they would have all recorded having been in close contact with this infected person, um, assuming that they spent enough time in their vicinity. Um, and then they would have got a notification relatively quickly uh, to isolate themselves as soon as this person was marked as infected. But of course, some of the issues that we had with the Babunk case also came down to um, a bit of personal irresponsibility. Um, because if, it, if, if you walk around with symptoms a very long time without getting diagnosed, then the window of opportunity gets smaller and smaller for the people that you might have infected. Um, if the person that spread that disease via the bunk would have gone, you know, gone to test themselves as soon as they developed a fever, then we could have responded much quicker. Um, and, and this would have helped both the manual contact tracing and, and the digital contact tracing via the app as well.
1: How how many people do you expect to um, download the app or start using the app? Because this is voluntary, I believe. And, uh, yeah.
0: And uh what's 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 the predicted uptake? And if I can also yeah. add to that question, uh uh-huh. y- you said recently that uh, uh it was a misconception that a large amount of the population had to use this, that it could be effective yeah. with any size of people.
3: Yeah, um indeed. Uh, there's a there, there have been some studies that have been made which show that, you know, if we only used an application and we wanted that application to be the cornerstone of our efforts to curb uh, COVID-19, then you would need a, a roughly 60% uptake per population. And this is where the number comes from that gets touted uh, a lot, which says that you need a very high threshold of users uh, in order to have any effect. Whereas in reality, nobody uses only that. You have the manual contact tracing, you have social distancing, you have masks, you have all sorts of methods that you employ as a country um, in order to curb the spread of the disease. And so some other models have been made which show that even though a smaller uptake, such as maybe 20%, would not be able to curb the disease on its own, it would definitely uh, limit the extent of the disease and, and taken in tandem with other methods uh, it will always be useful and that even if the app detects a small proportion of the close contacts which are not being able to be detected by manual contact tracing it's still helping out so it's just one thing extra that every country can do uh, in order to make sure that they are doing everything uh, to stop the spread, but it's you know it's never going to be uh, a standalone solution. And, and when we talk about the uptake that we are expecting, well it's It's very hard to predict because it's also limited by how many people have the right kind of technology. Um, but in terms of willingness, we know that um, roughly seventy five percent of the population has expressed willingness um, to use the application and, and we will see what the actual uptake will be. But we will be very happy already if we go if we get maybe thirty percent or over that.
0: Um, obviously uh, um, we, we can't do anything about the timings now uh, it is what it is and it will come out very soon and um, you know yeah. it, it's it's good it's good that we have something coming out but uh When you consider that uh, Latvia developed their app in May, and uh, I know on a different uh, underpinning, but also that they Mm. offered the underpinnings from that app to any other country, I think for free, that wished to um, develop their app from those underpinnings. Um, What was the reasoning behind the decision to go it alone, considering it's taken a lot more time?
3: Well, um I think there's a bit of a misconception here about going it alone because no country in Europe is actually going it alone or even in the world because we are all using the same baseline functionality, which is the uh, Google and Apple exposure notification API, which does a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of uh, detecting the Bluetooth signals and, trans- uh, and um Uh, analyzing them uh, to to detect close contacts. Um, Now, what every country needs to develop on their own is a system of infection confirmation. And and there's a reason why we can't just take uh, any kind of system developed uh, around the world because medical systems are different. Uh, The underlying uh, infrastructure is different. So, for example, Estonia is unique in the sense that it has a national patient portal. Uh, which is a great way uh, to do infection confirmation without having to train medical staff uh, or, or hire more people into the Estonian health board uh, to help patients out in confirming their infection to the app, because patients can do it themselves using the patient portal, but we can't use the functionality of the Latvian app because it was not developed for a country that uses a patient portal for infection confirmation. Similarly, Latvia can't use the application developed by Switzerland because their infection confirmation goes through a laboratory uh, and not uh, a a family doctor, for example, or a hotline as it's done in Germany. So because of these differences, every country does need to have uh, a a slightly different uh, build for their application. But the underlying uh, functionality of Bluetooth-based contact tracing is the same for everyone. Mm -hmm. And we're not redeveloping it uh, or reinventing the wheel in there.
1: A practical question, um, as you mentioned, the uh, patient portal in Estonia. I did the, the COVID-19 test and I was able to uh, log into the portal very mm-hmm. soon and, and get, uh, get the test result. Is that test mm-hmm. result going to be sent to the, the person's um, data or to the app automatically or how does that happen?
3: No, because there needs to be a sign of willingness, basically, uh, to share this information with the app. So it's not automated. It's as soon as you get infected, as soon as you get that positive test result, then you have an option of going to the app and saying, "Okay, I'm infected," and 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 once you do that, the app directs you to the patient portal where you have to authenticate yourself. Then it uh, you know looks around in your records to see. Uh, if you have the positive diagnosis, as you say you do, and then it confirms the infection to the application, but the patient portal itself does not send any medical data um, to the application. it just confirms that and yes indeed uh, an infection exists um and 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 the app does not have access to the patient portal, so it's still you using the patient portal
1: okay, and one question uh, with these um, contact tracing apps worldwide has been. Uh, privacy issues uh, do you think the solution now addresses these issues uh, sufficiently
3: uh, it definitely uh, addresses the major issues I mean one of the major issues uh, of contact tracing applications is essentially scope so in applications where uh, the overview of who gets infected and who is a close contact happens centrally. Um, There's a real big risk that if a government wanted to uh, monitor social connections between citizens, then they could use the application to do that. And this is a risk of centralized systems. But in a system which is decentralized, like the Estonian model, only the user themselves knows that uh, they have been in close contact with an infected person and 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 and, and therefore there's no way for us to snoop about uh, okay which infected persons you might have had a close contact with and thereby also uh, making different kinds of conjectures about who are the people that you hang out with for example things that a government shouldn't really know. So we built the application with the best privacy experts we have in Estonia to essentially Block the application from misuse uh, by the government. So I think those major issues are definitely uh, solved. Um, Of course, there's always concerns about how secure is Bluetooth technology to begin with. um, And we're not able to uh, completely eliminate um, all of the privacy uh, concerns that surround Bluetooth, but these concerns also exist when you're using airpods or when you're using a smartwatch or a smart speaker so you know there are uh possibilities uh where bluetooth may be uh breached um but it definitely does in no way impact who will find out about your infected status or or uh, or about your close contact status
0: Uh, This app is being worked on, um, I think I read, by a team of uh, 20 voluntary developers. Um, At what stage was the decision made to go with volunteer work rather than, uh, as I think Switzerland and Latvia have, a dedicated team which was actually much larger than the Estonian team?
3: Yeah, so this was uh, something that happened early on. When when, um, these apps became a thing around um, April or March of this year, and we, and we had a discussion also at ministry about well what do we know about um these applications and what's realistically what are our resources to even pull something like this off um and, and since we had just been through months of you know endless work and endless uh, loss of resources to manage this crisis we just didn't have the capacity um to 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 even you know order such a such a thing and, and since there was a lot of interest uh, from the private sector to do this, uh, then we decided, okay, well, let's have a crack at it. You know, we'll, we'll definitely be there as kind of um, business leads. But uh, since we don't really have any resources to develop this ourselves, we're going to give the private sector the option of uh, building this uh, with us. And, and there was a lot of interest uh, from companies. Indeed, around 12 companies are currently uh, some way involved in this project. Um, so, so yeah, that decision was made then, um, and 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 I, you know, despite the fact that it has also delayed release, I would say that for the most part, it was a it was a rational decision because you know these delays happened in a period of low infectivity. There were really no uh, there's no major cases happening in June or July, and it's now only in August when things are slowly picking up again. And even now, I would say that things are actually quite well under control. So this was a delay that, although, you know, we didn't get any uh, prizes and in international press for being one of the first to have an app out, I would say that we also didn't really lose anything uh, for taking our time and working with this volunteer consortium. Well, And, but- and it definitely led to a lot of interesting um, cooperation that would otherwise not have been possible uh, with, you know, just... Uh, Having this, you know, technical uh, task description and, and, and going into a tender process and getting one provider to do this, um, um, it, it definitely was a, a, a better kind of learning moment having done this volunteer project.
0: Well, yes, uh, what what you're talking about there is the prevention paradox uh, in in that uh, because there weren't many cases, there wasn't seen as being a pressing need to uh, push it out uh, before time. But uh, um, do, do, do you not agree that some of the mini surge that we've seen recently could have been prevented had the app been developed by a larger paid dedicated team?
3: Honestly, not in a major way, because as I said, what started this mini surge was a case of irresponsibility. There was a person walking around with symptoms for a very long time. It was roughly the scope of a week uh, that they were walking around with symptoms without getting tested. And if they don't get tested, then even if they have the app, there's no way for them to report to the app that uh, they were infected. And thereby, there was no way for the people that they infected to isolate them early. So by the time that you know this person... Uh, would have gotten around to making this notification on the application, then most of the people that uh, he or she had infected by that time would already be infectious, would already be walking around uh, spreading the disease. So honestly, you know this application probably would not have made a very big difference into uh, this particular mini surge. Um, but I think you know definitely looking forward, it's going to offer a helping hand.
1: Well, individual responsibility will uh, remain probably the core of prevention anyway. Absolutely, absolutely. uh, And even
3: with this application, you know, if you don't have personal responsibility, then this application will not help us. Um, But we definitely hope that most people will be responsible uh, and also when using this application.
0: We spoke yesterday to uh, Sophie Wari, who is uh, an Estonian resident from Australia, who uh, nope. was was one of the winning team on the Salto Hackathon, the Hack the Virus Hackathon. Um, uh, um, now um, she says in a medium article that she made attempts to reach out to the government to assist the contact tracing development team, but uh, was was not uh, th- that that was not taken up. Um, is is that the case? And um, was any was any inquiry made to the Salto Hackathon to maybe use their use their voluntary expertise to help the team?
3: Um, So with regard to this consortium, uh, I've definitely not received any formal requests for them to join this particular consortium when we made the public calls for this around April and May. Um, I am aware that there are some teams from the hackathon. Uh, that wanted to work uh, with us on developing certain functionalities and not necessarily this application, which we were not able to take up on because we had other projects in the running. But for this consortium, I guess it's just a bad case of miscommunication because we've had a lot of companies uh, come to us after May uh, saying that they heard from us from here or there that there's a consortium working on this application and can I please join? And we've accepted all of them. So I, I, I think there's just a miscoming communication issue there where um, if they definitely wanted to join the consortium, then it was not clear to us.
0: Now we've heard from Preetz Toffer, uh, and we'll have more from him later, uh, here is our interview that we did the previous day with Sophie Worre. Uh She is an Australian who lives in Tallinn, and she won the uh, Salto Hackathon with her team, um, um, On um, the, the aim of which was to produce a uh, contact tracing app. So here's her interview. And as as I understand, uh, the government hasn't asked you for your assistance in spite of you winning a hackathon, that uh, they were happy to go ahead.
2: Yeah, that's correct. So we won the hackathon, we won the top five teams who won the hackathon. And we offered our technology to the government because we developed, were able to develop a working app within only 48 hours. And we offered it to them and said that we could adapt the app to anything else they wanted to add into it or um, especially things like this new Bluetooth tracing protocol for the contact tracing functionality. But they didn't want to take us up on that offer. Um, they told us they have a team of, I think, 20 volunteers from various companies working on an app. But unfortunately, we haven't even seen even a first version of this app yet. And this is many, many months later. We still haven't seen this app. I'm the CTO and co-founder of a digital health startup called Velmio and our focus at the moment is on pregnancy health and we're building a set of AI-powered tools to build a digital health profile of a pregnant woman. This could mean um, taking data from their wearable devices like their smartwatch um, or their Fitbit or Apple Watch and connecting that to their digital health records and then we have an app that analyzes that data and considers any risk factors that the woman may have during the pregnancy and can recommend a tailored um, nutrition exercise plans during the pregnancy to reduce the risk of any complications during the pregnancy. So that's um, what I'm working on at the moment with Bellmio. But because we have a very um, a generalized stack of digital health technology, we can also scale that technology to other things, um, like, for example, COVID 19 contact tracing or COVID 19 symptom tracking. And so, during a hackathon hosted by the Estonian government, we actually took some of that technology we built for pregnancy tracking and redeployed that in a solution for coronavirus symptom tracking.
0: Yeah. Um, now, now um, the, the Salto Hackathon, uh, the, the Hack the Virus Hackathon, I think it was called, uh, um, happened at the start of the emergency situation, I think in uh, April um, in Estonia, um, and, and it was done online. So um, maybe you can um, talk us through I- exactly what format that took and um, how big your team was. And also, um, you, you mentioned contact tracing, but uh, what, what the aim was for you of, of spending time on that?
2: Yeah, of course. So the hackathon was hosted by Accelerator Sonia and Garage 48, and it came together very quickly. It was really impressive how within, I think, just six hours they decided they wanted to put together a hackathon to think of solutions for the crisis. And this didn't have to be technology solutions as such. It could have been um, any type of solution in response to any problem created by the pandemic and this was back in around mid-March, this happened, and they set up this hackathon, and because um, we're very much in lockdown in Estonia, most people were isolating at home, it was decided the best format to do that was a virtual hackathon, and this took place um, via a Slack channel where teams quickly came together, quickly came up with ideas, and within 48 hours, I think over 30 teams had working functional prototypes as solutions to some of the problems they'd brainstormed. And so uh, my team, it was just two people, uh, me and the co-founder of Velmeo. And we decided to apply some of our mobile technology because we do specialize in mobile apps, and we thought it would be a natural extension to take some of the components from our pregnancy health technology and use that to develop some solution for symptom tracking of coronavirus symptoms. Because back in March, um, there was very little known about the nature of the virus, especially what types of symptoms occur, um, what, how to triage the most at-risk cases that may be um, in need of hospital treatment if they do have coronavirus. And also because of the complexities created by um, everyone being in lockdown and not being able to reach the kind of health services you normally could, there was a need for more telemedicine based approaches to health and having those connections through a digital service like a mobile app. So we took several components of our technology. Uh, We formulated a chatbot where people could ask questions about coronavirus treatment or get the latest advice uh, for Estonia. We also uh, took data from wearable devices. So uh, one of our software components is to sync your data from a wearable device, like an Apple Watch or Fitbit or whatever you own. And we created a symptom triage system where someone could report their symptoms each day during the app and it would calculate a risk score and even look at things from your smartwatch, like your heart rate, or if you have like blood oxygen readings from your smartwatch as well, and create a kind of risk score um, to help triage the most every ca- risk cases of people with symptoms. And then we displayed this information on a map so people could see the risk in the local area. And this was um, really a prototype that we developed within 48 hours. And uh, obviously given more time, we would have expanded this to many other things. And as the pandemic has gone on for several months, the underlying technology has changed a bit with contact tracing. We now have solutions from Apple and Google, for example, um, to implement a Bluetooth-based protocol for contact tracing. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, uh, when we finished the app for the hackathon, we weren't able to take this any further because Apple and Google imposed a kind of um, blanket ban or restriction on apps from non-government entities. Uh, but then the government now has a responsibility of taking the technology for Apple Google to develop their own contact tracing apps if they would like to. Um,
1: if I may jump in, I have um, some um, technical questions, sort of... Um going uh, back a little bit to to uh, your original work as well you mentioned that you um would feed it, uh, feed the data collected from the wearable um appliances into the digital health data by by digital health data do you mean the digital health data that is collected uh, and held by the estonian health um health systems or is is um uh, Sort of, um, my question is Are you able to integrate what you collect into the patient um, and digital information system that every every Estonian um, resident has access to?
2: Yeah, so that type of solution is possible. It's not something that we did go and develop because um, the digital health systems do vary country by country. But for example, in the US, um, on iOS devices, for example, Apple has a solution called HealthKit where you can. Uh, take the data from a digital record and integrate that into the data from the wearable devices and basically connect this data together to provide a complete view of the person's health. Um, Obviously, if you do this in in Estonia, you would have to work with the government and their servers and databases and create the best solution based on the structure of their data set. But it's definitely something that is possible to do if you want to build the infrastructure to do it.
1: Okay. And... um... And about the the app you developed um, uh, within the hackathon, um, it was not specifically a contact tracing app in the first place, right? Did I understand that correct?
2: Yeah, that's correct it was more based on the symptom tracking aspect um, because the one of the problems we identified was that people weren't sure if they had symptoms of coronavirus or just symptoms of a flu and if they were starting to develop symptoms they weren't sure of the steps or actions they should take or whether they should get tested or isolate at home and so we're trying to create an app to address some of those challenges Uh, we did create a, a mapping tool where you could share your location and have your risk level displayed on the map uh, but uh, the, at the time, the Bluetooth protocol for contact tracing wasn't really developed yet. And then Apple and Google then did, then went and released a protocol that we could have extended the app to. We could have integrated the contact tracing in for that protocol. But to use that, you have to get approval from the government um, and submit that to Google to prove you are a government entity developing contact tracing solutions.
1: Right. And um, as I understand, the major... Worry about all these contact tracing apps has been data privacy and issues like that. Um, was your was your app able to address these worries?
2: Yeah, so our app was very much a prototype um, developed in the forty eight hour hackathon, but. Uh, we would have taken the necessary steps to reduce these worries. So for starters, we don't store any personal information about the user. Like we never asked names or email addresses or that type of thing. There was an option to share your um, GPS location to have your risk level displayed on the map, but that's completely optional and you can uh, request to have all your data deleted, for example, if you no longer want to use the app and want all your data deleted from the service. So we we're implementing all those usual kind of industry standard steps to take care of data privacy. Um, but in terms of the actual contact tracing part, uh, probably if, we, if we'd if we been given the opportunity to develop that type of solution, we would have gone with the Bluetooth solution from Apple and Google because that probably is the, the best solution in terms of balancing the uh, risk from the data privacy, but also having an accurate solution that can work because many governments around the world tried to implement their own Bluetooth uh, tracking solutions without the Google Apple API and it resulted in solutions that didn't work very well because the actual uh, operating systems on the mobile devices don't enable Bluetooth to operate very accurately. So that's what led um, Apple and Google to develop that solution.
0: In in terms of the slowness of the development of the government contact tracing app, um, obviously you can't, um, obviously you don't have an inside line into why that is so slow. But um, um, countries that have been successful in containing the coronavirus without um, restrictions have been those which have pursued aggressive contact tracing. Has it been a surprise to you that uh, we're now five months into uh, the uh, coronavirus emergency in Europe and we don't have a working app for that?
2: I think it is definitely surprising and quite alarming. I would have expected an app to be developed by now because the most important time to have the app is when there aren't so many cases. And we are lucky in Estonia, there aren't a lot of um, active cases at the moment. And that's when you want to have an app. As soon as things start um, surging, you want to have those tools at your disposal to quickly identify where those cases are spreading and quickly lock down um, any of those routes of transmission. So it is quite alarming. And also kind of annoying that there wasn't any ability to form a kind of centralized approach to contact tracing where, uh, for example, the European Union could have shared um, different uh, source code or apps, but they've decided all to implement their own contact tracing solutions. And this is the same in the United States, for example, where there's no single contact tracing solution for the United States. They're doing it state by state, which makes the whole process very slow because everyone is working on all these different apps simultaneously, even though they're trying to achieve the same thing at the end of the day. Um, Yes, that's very, very strange.
1: But um, as I understand, Latvia has a contract tracing app in use since end of May. So uh, do you know about that? And what do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I don't know a lot about um, the specifics of the solution Latvia implemented. But from my understanding, I think they use the Apple and Google protocol. But it is... um, I, I do know that they had their solution available quite early on compared to other countries, but it's quite strange how some countries are able to get an app out there very quickly while others are really lagged behind because uh, I think the solution from apple and google came available around may and they uh, released quite a lot of support and documentation for how to take their apis and build an app out of it i think they even give you lots of sample source code and a sample app itself if you just want to adapt the app Um, so every country had the same tools available and it's just a matter of which countries are able to execute that more efficiently and latvia was obviously very capable and competent at doing that very quickly compared to estonia
0: uh, some some European countries had a hundred paid developers working on the contact tracing app, um, and Estonia has twenty volunteers. Uh, that comes as a, a surprise to me um does it come as a surprise to you that uh, number one estonia isn't paying through the states uh the people working on a state-led app and uh, num- number two that um they're expecting only 20 people to uh, come up with this from start to finish um w- what would you suspect that approach has its roots in
2: yeah it is a bit surprising and i think it shows that Either the Estonian government aren't prioritising this kind of solution. Maybe they don't view it as critically important. Because I think other countries, as you say, had a hundred plus developers being paid, um, and a lot of countries um, uh, like set up other teams and contractors to get these solutions developed very quickly. They very much prioritise the digital contact tracing solution as a national priority. Um, whereas the Estonian government mustn't see it as being that critical. I don't know if I, I don't have inside information. I don't know if they have other methods of doing contact tracing effectively, or maybe they just don't see that they need this solution as critically as other countries have. It is quite surprising because given Estonia is quite strong in uh, digital services in the government and is often a strength in implementing such solutions like digital health records and that type of thing, I thought it would be a natural extension to prioritise a digital contact tracing solution, but that hasn't been the case.
0: Perhaps it's worth taking a bit of a step back at this stage and and talking about why contact tracing is important because you've talked a bit about uh, what your app would have done, the one that won the hackathon, but... uh, um... Why, why is it that um, it makes it much harder for a country to contain the virus, uh, whether they can see it or not, um, uh, if, if there isn't contact tracing? And um, given that we're in what what's effectively a mini surge right now, um, how would contact tracing help to control that surge?
2: Yeah, so contact tracing can be done manually or digitally. And the um, manual processes involve someone literally having to sit on the phone and call up anyone who's been infected with the coronavirus and ask them to recall where they've been in the past two weeks, um, any public spaces they visited, how many people they've been in contact with. And this is um, a very kind of error prone process, I guess, because people have to remember where they've been. Um, They have to recall these very specific details and try and piece all these bits of information together to try and create a profile of where the virus is spreading. Uh, So the digital contact tracing solution offers uh, a more automated solution to this where instead of someone having to manually contact and piece together all these um, parts of the puzzle, you just automate this through an app where the app exchanges keys between mobile devices, and if you happen to walk past someone and later become infected with the virus, that person could be automatically notified that they may have been in contact with someone who um, has since been infected with the coronavirus. And so, I think that the importance of this technology or contact tracing in general is that you need to be able to track the spread of the virus as soon as those mini surges start happening to be able to quickly identify people who may be infected and ask them to isolate at home to stop the virus from spreading any further. Uh, We've seen like lots of mini surges popping up, even in my my home country, Australia, there's been a big surge recently in Melbourne, Victoria, and have had to quickly use contact tracing to identify where the virus is spreading, to prioritise which areas need to go into lockdown, what type of policies the government should implement to stop the spread of the virus and hopefully reduce the infection rate to bring it back down to safe levels that you can then ease the lockdown restrictions gradually and let people return to normal life. So it's very important um, Part of the whole public policy tool set of being able to implement the correct policies at the right time to prevent uh, disasters happening, like we've seen in countries like the U.S. where the virus, or South America where the virus is just spreading crazy because they haven't been using these tools effectively.
0: So, what was it that motivated you to go onto Medium and uh, make public your your story regarding the development of the app and its uh, subsequent uh, lack of interest?
2: Yeah, so I think it was important to the story from a startup's perspective because I think a lot of people may have um, used a contact tracing app themselves or heard about it from the government perspective, but it's often um, not talked about how startups could be developing a lot of solutions for the pandemic. And one of the points I want to try and convey in my article is contact tracing is one type of solution you could have on a mobile app, but there's also lots of other apps we could develop that use the powerful technologies we have today. Uh, Things like smartwatches and mobile devices are very powerful computers and we could be using them a lot more effectively in this pandemic. So I want to try and convey this point that there are some challenges um, that stop startups from achieving this. And it's important that we have these discussions and try and help startups and other groups who want to develop solutions, try and build things in a timely manner to help this pandemic or any other future health crises that occur. There were um, other other solutions
1: developed at this um, hackathon. Are you aware of any of those going um, sort of uh, into further development and going live or being used as part of the effort to tackle the pandemic at all?
2: Um, I'm aware of one solution. It was a chatbot that the Estonian government adopted, and they put that on the Estonian government website, a chatbot where people could ask questions about the coronavirus um, and various <laughs> aspects about that. I think that was one solution that got further developed, but that was because the government kind of picked it up at the time the hackathon took place. As for the other solutions, I think there were about 30 solutions presenting hackathon, and I think the majority of them did not go much further because there are these issues around um, needing government backing and support to take a lot of these solutions further. And without that support, it's it's virtually impossible, especially the apps um, where Apple and Google have imposed this restriction where you have to be affiliated with a government entity to take your solution any further. It's really not possible for um, anything to happen with those solutions. So uh, a lot of them did end up going to waste, unfortunately.
1: And well, I guess um, one issue with the contact tracing apps is that um, the major risk groups of the COVID nineteen being the elderly, and these are people mostly in Estonia who are less tech savvy and who probably don't own any smart devices at all. So it's uh, there's a huge um, sort of uh, group of the population uh, that is at high risk, uh, and at the same time, uh, they the contact tracing app or any technological solutions won't be much use because they are just not the digital wizards.
2: Yes, of course. Um, That is a big issue with this type of technology. You can't assume that everyone in the population is able to actually use it so at the end of the day, you can only view a contact tracing app as one of many tools against the virus, but you can't view it as the end-all solution against um, containing the spread of the virus. It's just one of many tools that you can use. And as you say, these at-risk are groups like the elderly who may not have access to a smartphone or may not know how to use the app or may just be confused by it. Um, we need alternative solutions available, which is why um, a lot of governments recognise that contact tracing in the digital form has to operate um, alongside the manual form of contact tracing. You can't have one or the other, but you probably need to have both to have the most effective system
0: yeah I should probably point out just for the sake of balance that uh public events are restricted beyond a thousand people at the moment so uh um, it's it's not as if there are no restrictions but mm, i guess yeah. for, for the majority of, of men and women on the street there doesn't seem to be that much and i, I, I guess think that, that when you're
2: walking around Tallinn at the moment you kind of get the vibe that people are not taking the virus that seriously because they don't really view it as a threat at the moment like you walk around um talon and you don't see many people wearing masks for example um whereas in other countries around the world you'd see everyone wearing masks and it's just based on the type of policies being enacted and also the public's perception of the fear of the virus. That's
1: true and uh, maybe it's worth to add that um, uh, many bars in Tartu have uh, responded to the new spread of the virus and sort of self-restricted and closed down for one week uh, all of them. So uh, there's uh, a bit more private initiative, actually, <laughs> yeah. than uh, public public um, policy at play right now.
2: Yeah, that is interesting. And I think on the whole, Estonia has done quite well at managing the virus. Um, but I think the fear is if we do see a resurgence of the community transmission, we want to know that the government will implement the correct policies when the time comes.
0: this is now a health board decision uh, not not a direct ministry decision but um um g- given that uh there is thought by some uh epidemiologists to be a 95 percent less chance of the virus being transferred between two people wearing masks compared to two mm-hmm. people not wearing masks um yeah um, I, i'd just like to number one get your view on um the uh possibility of mandating masks indoors to reduce the spread and number two um get get your opinion on for example health board spokespeople still saying it's uh, potentially harmful having masks if they're not worn in the Mm. right way i mean this is something we knew in march but i think we've moved on from that now and really the messaging has to be more consistent than that and has to be um has to be educating people on how to wear them rather than questioning if they should
3: right well Here's the thing. If you ask me as a doctor, um, then yes, I would say that masks are an important measure to be used in the mitigation of COVID-19. However, I I just can't give you a ministry uh, position on this because I don't work in the ministry health department and this is really a question that should be relayed to them and I do not want to speak on their behalf. Um, And it's definitely also a question to the Estonian health board um, who are the ultimate uh, source of authority when it comes to these decisions. I I can only give you my personal opinion here as a trained medical physician.
1: Hmm. And that is, um, you would uh, recommend wearing a mask? Uh, sorry. As a trained medical professional, you would recommend wearing a mask as a prevention measure.
3: Yeah, because I I don't really see the harm here. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thank you
0: very much. Um, and um, uh, what what's the what's the kind of assessment timetable you're taking over the next few weeks? Uh, previously, it was if there's an average of twenty-one cases per day for two weeks, then you go back to emergency measures. Is that still the case?
3: uh i believe that is roughly how they calculated it indeed i think it was about 300 cases uh per um a 14-day period uh, which they said that uh, they would uh, reinstate uh some uh, restrictions
1: thank you for listening to this episode of prestonia you can subscribe to the show on spotify apple podcasts or wherever you get your audio We'll be back on air in a couple of weeks time. Bye for now.